1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th. You can preview it now exclusively at BlueNile.com. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 922 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And thank you, as always, for joining me on the podcast today. As I talked about earlier this weekend, there's plenty to get to in Hawksland. In fact, I had Glenn Wells on the podcast yesterday for sort of a catch-up as the calendar flipped to February. And then previous to that, a bonus podcast on Sunday afternoon with some audio from Lloyd Pierce. Prior to even that, last weekend, I had Ben Ladder on the podcast on Friday. That was a lot of fun. So uh, plenty to catch up on in the archives of this podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard and uh, subscribe. Tell your friends and all of that fun stuff. Today's podcast will be about... Mostly, anyway, the Hawks' loss to the Lakers this evening, 107-99 to at Sanford Marina in Atlanta. A pretty competitive environment on all sides. Uh, lots of lead changes, lots of back and forth from the Hawks and the Lakers in this game. And, uh, you know, it was competitive. The Hawks could have won, obviously. They, was, uh, they were right there for the uh, for the taking. We'll talk about the second half momentarily. But um, I will say a generally, generally a positive performance from the Hawks in a lot of ways. They hung around, they competed, and then kind of just fell short at the end. So... We'll dive into the game now. Injury-wise, it was what you expected. Hunter did not play for the Hawks, of course, and then you throw in by Dalimich and Dunn. They also were without Okongwu in this spot. That actually hurt the Hawks a little bit defensively in this game. He was ruled out um, right before tip-off by Lloyd Pierce after being downgraded from probable to questionable in the afternoon. So his absence was not a huge overriding factor in the game. It's only one that was at least important because he would have played in this game if he was healthy, I'm pretty confident, and he probably would have helped them a little bit defensively. So... Coming into the day, the Hawks were seven-point underdogs, according to the good folks at BetOnline.ag, and uh, they didn't they didn't cover that. Unfortunately, it was it was they lost by eight at the end of the game, but. That's kind of a pretty good indicator of a tough matchup the Hawks had, even at home. The Lakers were on a long road trip, but still they are the best team in the league probably at this point in time, the reigning champs, and a, t- and a tough one as a result of that. So, coming in, the Hawks started out slowly in the first quarter. They actually opened 1-6 from the floor and had two turnovers in the, in the opening minutes. They were down 9-2 to two out of the gate. And uh, it seemed like Trey Young was going to struggle at times. And then, of course, he had big numbers in this game. But he actually tried to get fouled twice in the first couple minutes and did not get either one of the calls and then did not get back on defense either. So that was not a great start for him necessarily. Dennis Schroeder was kind of really getting into him. Um, not full court, but definitely in the half court, like kind of really, really uh, pressuring up on Trey. A lot of different coverages that they threw at him in this game to reasonable effect at times. But the Hawks had some transition defensive problems throughout the game, really, but especially in the first quarter. They got a good look out of a timeout uh, that actually ended up with Collins missing an open three. It was going to be kind of one of those nights at the outset, and the Hawks did finally find it offensively after that because Herter hit a three to break the drought, and then Collins actually scored seven points in a row um, for the Hawks to sort of get them going a little bit. They went to the normal rotation that you might expect, other than it was a shortened group in this game. I'm not entirely sure they were going to go beyond eight in this game, they ended up going to nine because Clint Capella got his third foul, which we'll come back to in a second. But they, they played nine guys. They were shortened in this spot, and we'll talk about the rotation even more later on. But a couple of nice lobs from Trey Young. Really, he had a lot of those in this game. A couple more in the first quarter. 
getting downhill when he broke the first contain at the top of the key. And then a jab step three by, by, by Rondo at the end of the quarter to tie the game. But a pretty bad foul by, by Clint Capella um, out in space at the end of the first quarter, fouling LeBron James, who made all three free throws to go up by three at the end of the first 28-25. So the Hawks did recover after the slow start offensively. They actually shot 5 of 11 from three and had nine assists in the first quarter, including five from Trey. But the Lakers got whatever they wanted around the rim, including some, uh, some definitely, uh, I would say, focus in terms of points in the paint, the Lakers had 22 points in the paint in the first quarter, which Lloyd Pierce referenced after the game as a real weakness. The Hawks did improve on that throughout the game after that, but it was a, a kind of a rough start around the rim for Atlanta in the first quarter. As I said before, Capella got his third foul with about nine and a half minutes to go in the second quarter. Uh, that was tough because I think the plan might have been anyway to go into the night with only Collins and Capella playing at the five. But without a Kongwu, they had to go to Bruno Fernando or Nathan Knight. They went to Bruno Fernando. He actually played reasonably well in his first stint. Uh, after halftime, less so. But some credit to Bruno in the, in the early going for playing pretty well. But it was a really bad call, unfortunately, for the Hawks to get that third foul on Capella in that spot. People were asking me, or maybe not even asking me, a couple people asked, a couple people actually yelled about this, um, about why Pierce didn't challenge the call. I think it might have got overturned because uh, it was a pretty bad call. Um, but in general, coaches just don't challenge non-shooting fouls in the first half. Basically, if it's the first half of the game, you're only going to really see a challenge most likely on like a three-shot foul that's egregious. Um, other than that, guys try to save the challenges for the end of games where the, where the leverage is a little bit higher. I do understand that having a third foul in Capella is a pretty big spot. So if you had challenged that, I would not have been upset about it. That's kind of an easy example, though. If you watch the you watch the league overall, um, not a, that, that was not, that would not be a play that you would challenge all that often. I guess maybe if it was like Trey's fourth foul or something like that in the first half, you might do that. But interesting kind of spot decision uh, theory to discuss there. But ended up going without without the challenge there, and then they play without Capella the rest of the first half. I actually would have brought Capella back in a little bit earlier. I know the foul standards, but I'm kind of anti auto bench. I think. Taking him out originally, you know, early in the second quarter is totally fine, but I probably would have put him back in. He's pretty trustworthy as a guy to not foul, but I understand all sides of that one as well. So, um, the Hawks did score nine points in a row shortly thereafter to take a 34-30 lead cut by Solomon Hill 3. They used Trey and Rondo together for part of that push. There was some good Rondo in the first half in particular in this game. The help, the Lakers, the, it definitely helped that the Lakers were not making their outside shots, uh, which they did heat up a little bit later on in the game. But they were holding the Lakers down defensively pretty well. I thought, again, I thought Bruno did a pretty good job defensively anyway in his first stint, making simple plays. They went back to Gallinari in the first half. Um, I thought Solomon Hill struggled on defense in this game for his by his standards, especially on the ball. It was kind of a struggle. They're asking him because of the shorthanded nature of the roster right now without Hunter to play more three. He's really a four at this point in time. He's not the greatest guy in space. You know, off ball he's okay usually, but he had a couple a couple breakdowns in this game as well. So not his best necessarily. And the Lakers took advantage of that a little bit. LA did only make one of their first ten threes. They made their last one before the half to go up by four at the halftime break, but offensively, the Hawks did not play particularly well before halftime. Only 10 free throws, about a point per possession or so, and it was 2 of 14 from the floor combined from Young, Gallinari, and Reddish. Collins did have 13 points. He was the one bright spot offensively before halftime, but defensively, they actually did, they actually did pretty well. They held LeBron James to only 6 points um, at the half, so all things considered, it's a pretty, I would say, encouraging first half, despite the uh, modest hole they were in, especially when you factor in some offensive firepower to come. And we'll talk about that more in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is betonline.ag. 
The NFL season is coming to a close in the near future, but the biggest game of all is still to come. And with that in mind, there's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that place is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for 50% welcome bonus with the site. If you listen to this show, you will undoubtedly know that the NBA is now in full swing. On top of that, basketball fans may also be interested in jam-packed college basketball slates virtually every night of the week. And from there, the matchup for all the marbles in the NFL is now set. And there are other sports also worthy of your attention, from hockey to soccer to MMA and baseball is coming soon. If none of that gets you going, there's a full menu of offerings from BetOnline on any sport you can think of. And BetOnline also has a huge menu of player props as well as live wagering options, future bets, alternate lines, and much, much more. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead, get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. One more time, that is promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we'll dive back in now to the second half of the game. And the Lakers came out pretty much uh, flowing. They scored the first five points to go up by nine. It was kind of teetering. There was a three in the air from L.A. that would have given them an 11-point lead. It did not go in, and the Hawks did respond from there with an 8-2 run. It was kind of all Trey Young in the third quarter in a good way. Um, he was fantastic, both shooting and passing the ball. Um, you know, it was a lob dunk from Collins. It was then a layup by Trey Young. Then a Cam Reddish layup engineered by Trey Young. And then... Um, another Trey Young layup on his own. So he, he counted for all eight, all eight points in that little mini run. He had 10 assists pretty early in the third quarter after finding Kevin Herter on a nice back behind the back pass for a three to cut the lead to one. And then after a dunk on the other end of the floor, Gallinari hits a three. It was probably his best shot of the night to tie the game at 66. So the whole deficit was gone at that point in time. Trey was just honestly fantastic for most of the third quarter. I termed it as a masterclass. He was just controlling everything, um, getting to the line, um, really putting Taylor Horton Tucker in the penalty box defensively. Like he was really kind of just in his head. He just was in full control in the third quarter. It was it was honestly a lot of fun to watch. He was he, he was really really jamming offensively. Um, they left him in a long time. In fact, he played the entire third quarter because he was because he was so hot, which I understood. And honestly, that's one of those things where you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you take him out. Um, just to keep your normal rotation, people will, will go crazy. But if you don't do, but if you don't take them out, as we as we'll see momentarily, you're sort of you're sort of weird rotation wise in the fourth quarter. So there's give and take there. But he was awesome for most of the third quarter. The Hawks had a ten to two run, take a six point lead at one point in the third after a three by Solomon Hill. It did slow down from there. Um, a couple, couple of four shots, I thought, as Trey got a little bit overconfident, maybe maybe trying to cook a little bit too much at the end of the third quarter. And then Gallinari was wide open for a three on the foul possession, but he, the, he he missed him. Trey shot sort of a contested long two that he missed. Still up by one, though, at the end of the third quarter. Uh, there was a very weird moment late in the third, sort of off the court. A couple, a couple of fans were actually removed and ejected from the arena after getting into getting into a uh, verbal altercation with LeBron James. Uh, there was videos making the rounds after the game. LeBron was asked about it. It was very strange. Um, I will say this because I just feel like I need to. The Hawks might get mad at me about this, but that, that's okay. Um, I have to say, I, I don't understand fans being courtside right now. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And I understand people have pointed this out to me that um, in order to have a courtside teacher, you have to have, you have, to have a negative test. I, I get that. But, you know, in this situation... I just don't see the value of having courtside fans, especially when you see the video of a woman, you know, pulling her mask down and yelling <laughs> at LeBron James and other players and referees that are right there. And it doesn't seem like it's worth it to me. That's just my opinion. Uh, it baffled me, and that was kind of uh, something that I was not encouraged to see. I understand bringing fans back in to some degree. You can, I can go either way on that one, but I think common sense wise, I don't understand why they're near the court. So that's my only thing I'll say on that. Back to basketball. Okay, uh, the fourth quarter, the Hawks led by one at the end of the third. So going into the fourth. 
they were riding high. But as I said before, Trey Young played the entire third quarter, so he had, he had to sit out to start the fourth. And that was when the Hawks lost this game in reality. So a disastrous stretch, an 11-0 run by the Lakers opening the fourth quarter that featured four turnovers by the Hawks in about three minutes. Um, and suddenly they're down by 10. So the lineup was Rondo, Herder, Solomon Hill, Gallinari, and Bruno Fernando. Now, I would I would have preferred, and I'll say this now, I would have preferred to see Collins or Capella out there instead of Bruno in that spot while Trey Young sat. Um, but the Hawks did use a short rotation in this game. They, they only played nine guys. And, you know, because of the way that they had to use Trey to expend all the energy in the third quarter, you got to use the bench at times. The biggest problem, quite honestly, in that stretch was a combination of Gallinari and Bruno Fernando. Um, Bruno, you can expect him to struggle, and I, I understand that's a um, a spot for anguish with the coaching staff to have Bruno out there without Trey. I get that. That's not one that I loved. I would have liked to see Collins or Capella in that spot. Now, the bigger issue for me anyway, because Bruno was bad in that run, that's worth saying, but Gallinari was really bad. No, I'm, I'm a Gallinari supporter. I think he's good at basketball. I think he is especially offensively dynamic, but he was quite bad in this game, and this is probably his worst stretch of the night. He had three turnovers in pretty quick succession in this run, and that hurts them. Obviously, you know, you, you basically, you know, I would say they built the bench to include Chris Dunn and Bogdanovich or Herter or, you know, Okongwu, and those guys are not there right now, so they're already shorthanded. You know, the bench, they played nine guys in this game. Two of them, and I'm talking about Hill and Fernando, are not supposed to be in a rotation, honestly, if everyone's fully healthy. I know Hill has been playing every game this year, but coming into the year, Hill would have been your 12th man probably. Um, so that's worth pointing out. But Rondo didn't do a whole lot in that run. I thought he was pretty good in the first half. That was not his best stretch in the, in, at the end of the game of the fourth, but it was really Gallinari and Bruno that really got them going. You could have seen a timeout quicker from Lloyd Pierce in that, in that stretch. I, w- I will say that. I'm not going to you know absolve him of all wrongdoing there, but I will point out like, Trey Young left the court, and the reason why you have guys like Rondo and Gallinari making a ton of money is to support the team when Trey Young leaves the court, and that didn't work out in the spot. So I can see all sides. I would have gone with probably Collins or Capella at the five in that spot, but other than that, not too much to change. You know, Reddish was pretty bad in this game offensively, and he has to sit too, so, you know, I I get it. But they were bad in that run, and that ended up costing them in a big way. They, They did make a comeback from there, though, which is worth pointing out as we sort of pivot back to the positive. The Hawks got down... By you know by ten in that run, but then a a big three by, by Collins stopped the bleeding, getting down, getting down to five. They hung around that five point range, five six point range. Then there was a the one downturn, sort of midway through the fourth, where Trey got a technical foul after turning it over. Pierce then challenged the play when it was called out of bounds, off of off of the Hawks. That was a lost challenge. Then a technical foul, free throw by Anthony Davis, and then a Dennis Schroeder three point play to go up by ten. So. You go from you know basically down five to down ten in a, in a hurry. That was a bad challenge, by the way, from Lloyd. I get that it was it was late enough in the game where that's probably your biggest chance to challenge, but it was probably never going to be one. You got to know better than that. I guess it's pretty it's pretty high leverage, but at the same time, the technical foul already happened. It was not a good challenge, I will say. I, I mean, you, you never know what's going to happen with the challenge in the fourth quarter, but that was one that I think Pierce would like back probably if you gave him true serum, and that was not going to work out very well. And then from there. You get uh, Young gets free throws, um, so you, you sort of do have a uh, a backstop when you're down by ten. It felt like it was big trouble at that point in time, honestly. Down down ten with four minutes to go, but Trey gets to the line. You get a stop. Then Capella gets a putback. You get another stop, and you're down six with the ball. Then you have Trey Young finding Reddish for a layup. Then another missed jump shot by Anthony Davis. Trey finds Capella for a dunk, and suddenly it's down. You're down two again with 204 to go. So 
it was a big run by LA to go up 10, then a big run by the Hawks to go down by two again, and uh, a, lot, a lot of that in this game all the way around. So Davis hits, hits a jump shot. Trey hits a very, very, very deep three to, sl- to slash the lead to one with about 90 seconds to go. But from that point forward, it was all Lakers. LeBron hits a three. What are you going to do? Uh, at the top of the key to go up by four with 110 to go. Trey then seemingly turns the ball over in the lane. It was actually overturned, and rightly so, on review. So the Hawks are still only down by four, but then, then Trey turns it over out of that break. LeBron gets a layup in transition to go up by six. Then Trey turns it over again, and then LeBron misses a three, actually, but the Lakers get an offensive rebound, and that basically seals it. So the Hawks did not play well in the fourth quarter. It was an equal opportunity struggle fest. Um, after Trey was brilliant in the third, he, he did have that one big three, and he was responsible for a couple of the uh, couple of the assists in that big run. But late in the game, uh, the turnovers were bad. Um, early in the fourth quarter, obviously Gallinari, Bruno. It was kind of a lot of different people. I'm not going to blame anybody, any, any, anybody individually, and obviously Trey was fantastic in this game, other than that, um, than that last stretch. But the Hawks committed seven turnovers in the fourth quarter, and you're going to lose. You're playing a good team, even at home, you're playing a team, much less a good team. You're playing a great team. You can't turn the ball over seven times in the fourth quarter. Now, that wasn't the entire reason why they lost this game. But that was a big one. They seemed to lose their composure a little bit. The better team won at the end of the game. But, um, you know, it wasn't the, it wasn't a disaster necessarily, especially when you're down. You know, it wasn't like you were leading this game big the entire game and you blew the lead. There was lots of back and forth, back and forth, and the right team probably won the game. But the Hawks played okay in the fourth quarter. It kind of got, got away from them a little bit, and that happened. So, um, Takeaway-wise, um, as I mentioned before, the points in the paint were going toward the Lakers in this spot, although there was sort of a give-and-take there as well. After the first quarter, it was, it was definitely improving for the Hawks. Um, the, the problem that I want to circle now that I haven't mentioned yet was the transition where the Lakers had an 18-6 advantage of fast-break points. That's a little thing, but it does kind of speak to the fact that the Hawks turned the ball over a lot in this game, a sort of ill-timed um, ways they had 19 turnovers in the contest, leading to 21 points for the Lakers, and a lot of those were in the, of the, of the fast break variety. So, you know, pros and cons there. Defensively, the Hawks did a pretty reasonable job. Now they were bailed out a little bit by some bad shooting by the Lakers from the perimeter, but the Hawks still held them to like 112 per 100 possessions offensively, which is not great defense, but it's not terrible either. And the Lakers are a good team, so that was a reasonable performance from the Hawks defense. They got beat up a little bit. At times by Anthony Davis, who they had no answers for. But LeBron was under was under control for most of the game until the fourth. They did a pretty good job on him. Same same with same with Schroeder, who was just like solid but nothing great. The Hawks played pretty well defensively. Not great. Montrezl Harrell got him a little bit when he was in the game off the bench, but it was reasonable. Offensively, same sort of story. A little bit worse based on the turnovers. They only scored about 1.04 points per, points per possession, which is bad. Um, that's not like absolutely terrible against an elite defense like the Lakers, but not not great by any means. You know, shooting-wise, they actually shot, shot the ball pretty well in this game. A 58% true shooting mark from the Hawks is above average. They shot 38% from three, 47% from the floor, but only got to the line 17 times. You know, Trey got to the line 11 times, but only six combined for everybody else. That's not enough for a team that's leading the league at free throw rate this year. Um, Assists 27, that's pretty solid, but 19 turnovers, that's rough. And if you take away sort of the contributions of the three biggest contributors, which were Young, Capella, and Collins, there was not much else happening offensively. Herder and Reddish were not great, necessarily. Gallinari was bad. Um, Bruno didn't give you much on, on offense. Solomon Hill only made two threes, etc. So, you know, it was not great offensively either, but it's worth pointing out the Lakers are number one in the league in defense, and uh, it's tough to score on them. So that's at least a little bit of a caveat to go along with everything else. 
Okay, before we dive into the individual stuff in this game, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is rockauto.com. With more makes and models than ever, it's now impossible to stock all the auto parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure questioning from a counter person that's often totally pointless, especially when they were only going to give you the parts or the brands that the warehouse happens to carry? Instead, you have rockauto.com, either at home or in your pocket, and that is the best possible option. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always super low and the same for pros and you yourself, so why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck, and from there you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, we'll dive into the individual stuff now. As I said before, the bench was not highly productive in this game. No Tony Snell, no Brandon Goodwin, no, no Nathan Knight. No huge surprises there. You know, I was at least mildly surprised by Goodwin not playing, but the Lakers are pretty big. So not, not the best matchup in the world for him. And then Snell, they could have tried Snell at one point in time. I actually asked that. If you heard the bonus podcast on Sunday, I actually asked that of Lloyd Pierce. But he's not quite ready yet, I don't think, for this high-level kind of performance. I still wonder if they were going to play Bruno if not for Capella's foul trouble, but they did in this game. It was sort of a tale of two halves. I thought he was pretty solid in the first half by his standards. Second half, it was pretty bad. Three points, minus 11, four rebounds. Um, you know, it's not, it's kind of unfair in some ways that, you know, he's probably not the guy you want playing right now, but without a Kong Wu, um, it's kind of like you need somebody to throw out there against the Lakers size. So they had to play him. I understood the decision-making there. He just wasn't great, and it's tough to have to play him in that spot. Um, Solomon Hill, 22 points, sorry, 22 minutes, six points. Didn't have, didn't have a steal, but two turnovers as well. Two of five from the three, two of six from the floor. He had one kind of wild drive that was his one miss on a two-point shot. I think defensively he was below average in this game for him, so not a great night for him. But I think overall you do not want Solomon Hill playing a lot of the three, and he has to right now. They've, they've decided that he's better at that than Tony Snell, which is, I think, defensible. But without Hunter and Bogdanovich and Dunn, that's it's tough. You have to go into your like sixth wing, which is where Hill is right now, and that's not where you want to be. So I get it, but he wasn't very good in this game. Rondo, good in the first half, less so in the second half. Did have five points, three steals, two assists, and two turn- and two rebounds, I should say. Made, it, made his only three-point attempt. Um, you know, he was overall probably okay, but they need a little bit more out of him, especially when Trey's off the court. That goes without saying. And then Gallinari had his worst game as a Hawk. Six points, two of ten from the floor, two of five from three. So 0 of five on twos is kind of rough for Gallo. Um, two assists and a steal. Three turnovers as well, and they all happened pretty close together. Um, you know, just a bad night for Gallo. It doesn't mean he's bad. He's still a good player. Um, but he's not moving particularly well. He never has in, in the last couple of years, but he's got, I think he's even more limited um, sort of athletically right now, and that hurts his defense. He did play, uh, I think it was probably a, a high of minutes since he returned from the injury, but... He was not good in this game. If he played a little bit better, the Hawks would have been in a better spot. So, you know, I expect better from him moving forward, so no problems there. But he was a weakness in this game. The starting wings, Kevin Herter and Cam Reddish, combined to shoot 6 of 16. You don't you don't love that. But we'll go, we'll go to Cam first. Six points and three rebounds for – sorry, three assists for, and one rebound for Cam Reddish. Offensively, it was pretty bad for Cam. He had a couple he had a couple bad force shots, 0 of 4 from 3. He just kind of seemed rudderless offensively for most of this game. So that's worth saying, and you have to emphasize that, you know, offense is still important, and he really struggled offensively in this game. 
Now, defensively, he played quite well. I thought he was a reason, not the only one, but a reason why LeBron was under control for most of this game. Cam made a couple plays as a uh, guy, you know, sort of detracting the passing lanes. Um, he was good on LeBron. That's it's a, it's a good thing to have when Hunter's out, especially when Hunter's out, to have Reddish be able to throw, throw a guy like LeBron. So I think overall, you got to say it was like a reasonable performance from Cam, even though even though offensively it was really a struggle because of the defense. They, he was the only guy that could really cover LeBron with any sort of seriousness in this game. He did a pretty decent job on him overall. Kevin Herter made three threes. Uh, that was probably his biggest contribution. I will say defensively, he was pretty good off the ball. That's something that I've noticed a couple of times, and we talked about it. I actually played some audio about Lloyd Pierce talking about Herter off the ball recently. He's pretty good at that right now. Uh, on the ball, less so. He's, he's not He's not very physical, not very strong. But he did a pretty good job, I think, defensively in this game. Made three threes, had three assists, four rebounds. Was 0-3 from two, though, which you don't love. He got to the line, which he rarely does, but he, he took two free throws in this game. Uh, he was okay. I don't think he was great, but he was okay. He didn't kill them. Um, the three guys who were most productive, Clint Capella, 16 points, 13 rebounds to lead the team. 8-11 uh, from the floor. Three block shots. I thought he played well overall. In 30 minutes, he was plus one. Um, the foul trouble limited him. Again, I would have probably played him a little bit more at the end of the first half, but I get not playing him with three fouls. That's just a personal thing for me that I, I don't like auto-benching guys because of fouls. But other than that, I thought Capella was perfectly perfectly solid. It's a tough matchup against the Lakers. You could definitely see Capella in space a few times getting abused. The Lakers tried to, I think, successfully get him away from the rim a lot. It goes back to a little bit of that Brooklyn game the other day where the fear with Capella is that you're, you, he can do it a little bit, but he's much, much, much worse if you can get him away from the rim. And the Lakers did that kind of on purpose and with some success in this game. He still made a lot of plays and got a lot of rebounds and block shots, so he's still a positive player. But that is kind of the concern if you, if you find a team that's able and willing to target him on the perimeter. Collins was very good. Offensively, 22.7 rebounds. I think defensively made a couple nice plays as well. Obviously, Anthony Davis is, t- is tough to cover, and he couldn't stop him. Nobody really can when he has it going, but I thought John was pretty good overall, and the points and rebounds kind of speak for that. He had some foul trouble as well, but I thought he played a probably an average or better game for him. And then Trey Young, um, 16 assists is uh, mind-blowing. He had so many good passes in this game. I know I sort of breeze by it sometimes because he's such a good passer, regularly but Trey Young is an elite passer full stop he's an awesome awesome passer and that was on full display in this game um seven turnovers obviously is too many but you know a lot of those came late when they were kind of pressing a little bit he was not good in the, in the final minutes that's worth pointing out but again the third quarter he was a maestro so the good and the bad there but 25 points 16 assists what are you going to say about that um that's the line 11 times he was good overall I think it was hot and cold, as it's been at times this season for Trey, but you can't ask for too, too much more overall, and there you go on that. So, that is a not great start to the homestand, but, you know, the Lakers are really good, so no shame in losing to them necessarily. Now the Hawks have a day off on Tuesday before a back-to-back against Dallas, who is struggling mightily right now, and then Utah, who is not struggling. Utah's been very good this season so far, so that's a weird back-to-back at home on Wednesday and Thursday. Obviously, you want to get both. I think one and one would not be the worst result for the Hawks in that back-to-back. We'll see how that all goes. I think the Hawks might be favored. I was thinking about this earlier today. Atlanta might be favored against Dallas in the betting market. I think the betting market still respects, you know, I'm sort of a weird person that follows the betting markets a lot. And I think the market still respects Dallas a decent amount. But I think the Hawks might be favored at home in that game. So we'll talk about that more on the next podcast. But um, yeah, that's the next one on the agenda. And then after that, they have Friday off before they host the Toronto Raptors. So a four-game homestand is happening, and we'll talk more about it later on. 
One final plug. In the last, what, four days, I've had Ben Ladner on the podcast, a bonus podcast, Glenn Willis on the podcast, and then today on the podcast. So at least four shows in the last three or four days. We've been very busy, even over the weekend. So uh, please subscribe. Please catch up, catch up on all those podcasts. Please tell your friends about the show, and we will see you all next time.